0: welcome to the face it podcast i'm amy lloyd and i'm amanda lloyd and we are here to have conversations with amazing people who have faced major life challenges or adversity head-on
1: my mom and i hope their stories inspire you and offer relatable solutions that you can use in your life too so So join join us and and let's face it it together. together
0: So our next guest is Brett Silver, who is an amazing human, which you will hear. He is full of stories and has overcome every obstacle imaginable that we did not have time to cover in this episode.
1: No, I just listened to it, uh, re-listened to it myself, I couldn't I couldn't stop laughing the whole time, um, but it was just, this was the first time I was meeting Brett, my mom has known him for years, and it was so cool to hear his story from his perspective, and it's so engaging the whole entire time, I just, it, it, I love it, and I'm excited for you guys to listen to it. Yes,
0: yeah, so Brett and I have been friends. Well, we worked together since I think 07 in publishing and, and then have been friends ever since and moved on to different companies. And Brett is really, Amanda and I intended to kick off this new series about different dynamics with families, Whether whatever you've chosen, whether you've chosen not to have a family, you've chosen to have a family, in whichever way and what that means to you, Still including the element of overcoming major challenges and adversity, so Brett really kicks that off with his story and starting out um, talking about his early days. But it's a really um, we're we're excited to launch that part and. We don't really get into what Brett's doing today, but I think it's very clear that he's successful in his own right, is such a good husband and father and provider and a fighter and a survivor and a thriver. So I, yeah, like Amanda, yeah. I'm really and that- excited.
1: I know. And it absolutely comes through everything my mom just said. And I think what she said at the beginning, just, I mean, our whole podcast is about people that have faced challenges or adversity. And even prior to Brett having his own family and family dynamics he shares with us what he went through prior and there were many challenges and he faced a lot of adversity. And I think that's what's cool about the guests we'll have on this month or throughout this series is that they have additional challenges um, to their family dynamics that they've chosen. Mm -hmm.
0: And all with a motivating, inspiring story, right? And that's our goal is to talk about deep things, hard things, but with levity. And I think that's what, what we do well with Brett
1: here. Well, Brett. I completely agree. Yeah. We hope you guys enjoy just as much as we did doing the podcast and even re-listening.
0: Brett Silver joins us today. My friend and former co- co-worker from New York, the perfect New Yorker, full of energy <laughs> and stories to last a lifetime. Brett has had quite the life And we were so excited to talk to him today, really to help kick off the series that we're wanting to do, Amanda and I, about different ways of creating family or not, different dynamics we choose, we find, or that find us. So Brett, thank you so much for making the time to sit with us today from your beautiful patio in Hermosa Beach, California. Um, I just love you so much and can listen to your stories all day long. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Thank Amy. You.
1: Thank and you, Amanda. Of course, for our listeners, I'm meeting Brett for the first time, but my mom's known him for a while. I'm mm-hmm. so excited. Cool.
0: Yeah, so Brett, because we again, like I said, you have so many amazing stories and are so engaging. I was hoping we could start off with um if you could share a little bit about where you grew up.
2: Okay. Uh yeah. So um I'm a New Yorker and I grew up, I would say, in the the boogie down 1970s of New York City, um, when New York was insane and it was dangerous and it was rough and Son of Sam was running around and the Bronx was burning and it was just an insane period of time. So uh, I grew up in Astoria, Queens, but I often was in New York City because working or something like that.
1: Um, And what were your family dynamics like? So did you have both of your parents? Did you have any siblings?
2: Yes and no. So okay. um, my um, so my mom, um, when I was five years old, uh, my dad split, and there was me and my brother and my mom. And when he split, I was five, my brother was seven, and he was a bit of a handful. And he just was like, he was off his rocker, my brother, he was out of his mind. I think today he'd be like AD, ADD or ADHD or mm-hmm. something, but back then. And so when my dad walked out my mom basically told me at 5 years old like really what happened which was not appropriate and she basically told me that my father left because he found a letter that she was having an affair with a pilot and at 5 years old she's cuz she thinks she's like woke mm-hmm. <laughs> the version of 1970s woke <laughs> and and uh, so she tells me that And then she proceeds to tell me she has absolutely no money. We're poor. We're going to get evicted and all this other craziness. So I have no father. My brother's insane. My mother's putting all this on me. And this is kind of like, and I'm kind of, I kind of live in kind of a sketchy, a little bit sketchy neighborhood. You know, you have to really have street smarts and, and uh, sort of pick up and a lot of different ethnicities in the neighborhood. Like growing up, all my friends were either black or Puerto Rican or Italian or, you know, that was really like the, the neighborhood that I grew up mm-hmm. in. So in Astoria,
0: exposed- and did, and did you realize that at the time that, you know, you were in a diverse neighborhood or you, that was just normal for you?
2: Okay. Let me answer that with this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Until I left Astoria on my first flight and that might've been Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Rico, that might've been, uh, Wyoming, but I just assumed the whole world looked like Astoria. Like I had no idea. And I saw the you know, the, the Grand Tetons, and I'm like, holy, can I curse? Yep, talk
1: how you want. Is yeah. this family time?
2: Is this yep. family time? It's you know,
3: supposed like, to
0: be clean, but I think we can, you know, believe yeah. it wherever we need. We want you to <laughs> okay. be. Okay, <good. laughs> okay. I was like, holy, f-
2: f- holy, yeah. f- you know, and I realized the whole world doesn't look like New York City, so I didn't know at the time that I was in a rough neighborhood. Mm. I just knew, I just knew, the life I was living, there was something really wrong about it.
0: You bones. felt that, Brett. So uh, uh, what do like even at five or what, what, how old were you when you took that first trip when you realized, okay, the world's not like Astoria?
2: Well, that's too far forward. Maybe, Okay. you know, like, I think the immediate, like realizing shit is not right in my house yeah. is, I guess... Let me think. There's so much of it. I'm trying to, you know, five years old when my mom's telling me, you know, the responsibility is on me to take care of the family.
0: Right. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I get, but you don't know that there's anything different about that at five. You're probably like, oh, okay. And it's just, probably
1: tough growing up in a neighborhood like that because the people you're surrounding yourself with are probably going through their own struggles as well. So you're like, well, they're going through it, too. So it's somewhat normal. I, no, I would say because on my block, like mm-hmm. the kids
2: on my block, this one's mother and father. She was a stay at home mother he was a, you know, a sergeant on the police force. This one mother and father stay at home. Mother, he's a captain on the, in the fire department. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- so, and I grew up in like a Catholic neighborhood and we're Jewish and right there, you know, not that we're religious, but right there, it's kind of like um, you're other. Mm, so you, you don't, re- right away, you know, you just don't belong. Mm, wow, You just don't belong no matter what, mm. you're Jewish. And, and your friends, but they go to St. Rita's and you don't go to St. Rita's, the mm-hmm, cafe, mm-hmm. you know, school and they're all together and you're out there as an, you're a lone entity. Mm. And on top, and on top of that, it was no fun to hear my friends go, Hey, I saw your mother. <laughs> I saw your mother naked walking in the apartment and it wasn't <laughs> How did just they see that. Run. How did they because, see that? Because you could look in the windows oh, you know, from, God. <laughs> and, and It wasn't like it was just like a a mother snap, you know, like, oh, I saw your mother last night. Yeah, it was actually true. And I knew it was true. And so (laughs) that was one of the first signs that their parents didn't walk around the house naked. Okay, you know, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: that yeah. makes complete sense. And then so tell us because at five, you hear this, it's like, okay, I'm five. I need to man up. I now need to be responsible. So what did you start doing? I know you said you started working just because I know from being your friend that you started working at a young age. How old were you when you started working and taking responsibility?
2: Seven. God. Seven, seven when was what? my so my, my mom was forty something at the time. Mm-hmm. she got like a 24 year old boyfriend from Lebanon. Mm-hmm. And at that time in the world, there was a Lebanese civil war between the Muslims and the Catholics. And Basha- his name was Bashara
3: mm-hmm. or
2: Michael or Tony, rather. They are all named Tony or Michael and Bashara. Okay. Okay. Everybody's named Bashara and Bashara had a, besides the machine gun in the closet.
0: At so your mom's, mom's house
1: at your house. Yeah. Well, yeah. wow. I okay. there oh my was a machine- gosh Brett like, not even locked up with kids <laughs> clearly the kids weren't their priority in your household <laughs>
2: no I've got crazy story this is not even the good story this is just the opening act
0: we have um, time
2: <laughs> so we're gonna uh, have Bish- to
0: do like an eight-part series like yeah uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah okay me. so you have the machine gun in the house
2: and Bashada's friend Bashada <laughs> Tony's friend Tony <laughs> owns a cigarette store slash beauty store. It was before like the Dwayne Reeds and the CVSs of the world. And you would go in, I would sit in the front window, open the sliding glass, plexiglass thing. Somebody would go, hey, let me get a pack of pole Mall and some Rolaids and uh, juicy fruit. And I would give them their change. And I sat there all day. Okay. And so my mom left me with Tony Bashada at his store and she left me there. And somewhere that day, Tony says, I see you. you, I can't do accents anymore. I'm sorry, I'm woke. Um, <laughs> Probably,
0: yeah, PC for us. Yeah. <laughs>
2: he says in the best Lebanese accent possible, um, I see you're stealing. And I mm-hmm. wasn't. I go, what are you talking about? I'm seven years old. Seven, like, yeah. This This is like Upper East Side Manhattan and I live in a story, which is over the bridge in Queens. Mm-hmm. And I say, I, I'm not stealing. What do you tell He goes, no, I see you steal. I go, you didn't see me steal because I didn't steal. He says it again. I basically tell him to go fuck himself. I'm sorry. You can bleep that out if you want. Mm -hmm. I give him the finger. I walk out the door at seven years old. I hail a yellow cab and I'm gone. Uh,
0: You hail a yellow cab back to Astoria at seven years old.
2: Right. And they have no idea where I've gone. Were you going to
1: school at all during this time?
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, not of course. but Got it. Okay.
1: Not necessarily.
2: This is any given weekend. Oh, weekend. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So... This man Tony is beside himself because he's been entrusted with the care of the seven-year-old child who just gave him the finger, walked out his store, jumped in the yellow car, and disappeared. <laughs>
0: oh my! What
2: God. what's he going to do with that information? Right. What's he going to tell my mother? How how did he care for her child?
0: Right. How do you so, lose her child?
2: Exactly. Well, that got sorted out. I made it home. Okay. You
0: made it home. Okay. And I will say. New York City kids, and a story, are very different kids. They're like mini adults. So it wouldn't be odd for you to hail a cab or to know uh, uh, how to do that. How about that?
2: Right. I still think the stuff, no normal kid feels the need to go get a job that, at
0: seven. No, absolutely. And you felt that. So you're like, I got to go with Tony so that I can make this money so I can pr- have money for my house.
2: And, and basically my whole thing in my mind was, well, we're so in trouble. We're always getting evicted. Blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I thought the very least I could do in this equation is at least take myself out of the mix and not be a burden financially to my mm-hmm. mom. And I basically took care of myself financially from seven years old. God, that's
1: crazy. That's crazy. Was she taking care of your brother? Your brother? What was your brother doing during this time?
2: Um, at this time, at seven and nine. Oh, so Stephen would make the rounds and he'd go from my uh, grandmother, Vicky, to my aunt, um, Esther, to cousins, Pithew and Dorothy, and he'd make the rounds every Friday and everybody would give him 20 bucks.
3: Mm. Oh. And
2: I was so aghast at this. How could he be such a, how could he do that? You know, and I worked and I thought right. what he was doing was just not something that I wanted to do. And thought-
1: he was nine?
2: He was at that time, if I'm seven, he's not.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Okay. At, that, at that point, you had that mentality, Brett, where it was just, I mean, at that age where it's like, no, I got to take care of myself. It's yeah. It's sad in a way, but it's so admirable that you did it. it.
0: It is. And I'm wondering where did that come from, Brett? Like, how did you know that? Like, no, I I'm going to go earn money.
1: You know, I don't
2: know. Mm. I, um, all I know is that. um I always, you know, when my mom laid that stuff on me at five, that mm-hmm. was like when my childhood ended. Mm-hmm. And I always now looked at the world with like survival. Mm-hmm. And, you know, later on, I think I was 12. So between seven and 12, I had like five different jobs. Mm-hmm. I worked um, uh, in um, at um, Canal Gene Company.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I worked at the flea markets for my cousin, Kenny, where we sold uh, these hollow field vests. And we would make thousands and thousands of dollars a day. Um, I worked in the pet store. I had a paper route, and when I was 12, I got a job working in a delicatessen, working in the kitchen as a dishwasher. 12 years old with my friend Steve Levitas, and his father owned Phil's Kosher Deli. And I thought, and then, sorry, I don't mean to.
1: No, this is dri- good. No, yeah. So,
2: so the cooks, there were two cooks who you know who I was supposed to be assisting as a dishwasher, um, Jimmy and Warren. And Jimmy was a Vietnam vet and an alcoholic. And mm. Jimmy would go on three-week binges and disappear. And Warren was also an alcoholic. He was a, a disbarred attorney because he choked the judge. Oh my so, God. Okay. And and <laughs> Warren, Warren would go out on binges for two weeks, too. So that would leave me as the only one in the kitchen. So At twelve. 12 <laughs> at 12, I was running the kitchen. And I don't mean I was cooking, but it was throwing on a hamburger, throwing on a steak, dropping fries, matzo ball soup, uh, yeah. Hungarian goulash, throwing the noodles, you know, like short short order cook. So that was 12 years old. Wow. And
0: it's quiet, quiet. No labor laws at that time. But- Apparently, oh I'm right. sure, they're, they're, I'm sure
1: <laughs> there were. And it's crazy that you're 12 knowing this drama of these adults, but you then have to help them and back them up when that's not even something you should know about or have to deal with.
2: I mean, why am I working? Like, why am mm-hmm. I not trying to get, why is my mother sa- not say to me, Brett, you don't go to work. You focus, get straight A's. I'll take right, care of, right. You don't need to take on this responsibility. But she basically encouraged me and told me how proud she was. And so, you know, that encouraged me to go even further.
1: Mm, yeah, you got, you got accolades, yeah. You know,
2: and I was like, you're so good. I talk about you all the time, blah, 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 blah. And so, but I remember one night at 12 years old, because I was the last one out, because as the, as the kitchen guy, you gotta put up the chairs, you gotta sweep the floor, you gotta throw out the garbage, you gotta mop the floor, and then you can clean up the kitchen and then you can leave. So you're always the last one out. And you always smell nasty. And, you know, at 12 years old, I didn't have any perception of anything ever changing. Mm -hmm. This was all I knew. This was my life. And I thought to myself, worst case scenario, Brett, you'll always eat Mm. is what I thought about. And then the second thought was, I can't believe this is my life.
0: Mm. You thought that at 12. Wow.
2: I thought this Mm. is my life. Forever. This, This sucks. Mm. but I need to survive.
0: That's it. Wow. And at this time, would you bring, give money to your mother? Would you bring her food? Like what was the dynamic when you went home?
2: I'm sure I brought food, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, she needed it or like, it was like, Hey, I brought some food home, like no different than being home. But, but no, I think basically what, what, what I did was took myself off the payroll so that I, Mm -hmm. you know, I basically, paid for all whatever I needed mm-hmm. I paid for it.
1: and your dad was not involved at all after he left when you were five did you did you have any relationship with him?
2: So no um, not only was he not involved but he went out of his way to make things even more difficult for us mm. so we were on welfare we were on food stamps and I remember having to go to key food and Harold owned Key Food. Mm. I remember having to pay with food stamps and it was so embarrassing, you know? Mm. Um, so what my dad did was when Michael lived in the house, the shot with a machine gun in the closet, mm. um, he called up immigration. He called up welfare because I had really severe allergies and I had to get allergy shots and the dentist, I mean, the, the, the doctor was in Whitestone, which is about 30 minutes away by car. And welfare thought that cars were a luxury. Uh, and you should, if you're on welfare, you cannot have a car. And so my dad, besides he sent, <laughs> Amy, you're going to appreciate this because we're in, we're in the magazine business. Yeah. He sent my mother every freaking magazine subscription and signed her name. He sent the Encyclopedia Britannica and signed her name. He sent all kinds of stuff. Uh-huh. And she thought she was responsible to pay for them, which I remember being really anxious about. And so he went out of his way, he called welfare, told him about the car, called immigration, told him about Michael, you know, you know, sent us all these magazines to stick it to my mother. And she Wait, didn't to know. show
0: that she's subscribing, she clearly has money, is, is that the premise? No, no, oh. I, I think
2: he wanted to send it to her, thinking that um, she would feel that she's responsible and be freaking out. Got instead it. of just okay. going, instead of going, this is fraud, I'm not paying for it, I didn't yeah. sign Setting her mess up, with her. okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Which was the normal. And you and I both know if a magazine sends you a copy, you don't ever have to pay them. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe we
0: shouldn't say that. but <laughs>
2: <laughs> Oh, yeah. So okay. so I remember that being very, very stressful.
0: Got it. OK, yeah, it is stressful. Brad, but I, I mean, I can see so clearly. I mean, obviously, knowing you like the man that was being created at such a young age, right? Oh, like yeah. you're a survivor, so, right? And I'm
1: so curious, Brett, did you, because you've been working since seven, we now know until 12, did you ever have kid time? Like even during the summers or any time where you felt like a normal child or were, have you just been working since then?
2: I would say I've been working since then, but I think I've had snippets of childhood because, you know, every summer, since I was five years old. And this is a whole other story that was, you know, this one was in the New York times, but <laughs> when I was five years old, um, my mother sent me to a sleepaway camp in upstate New York. Um, and for eight weeks from June through August, and I was being cared for by probably 16 year olds in the seventies, you know? So, and, um, every summer I'd go to camp and at Summer when I was five, we won't go down this path, but I'll just say it. I met my wife. She was in the kindergarten with me. Uh, I remember them taking her out and putting her in the juniors because she was too mature. (laughs) The summer when we were 12, she was my girlfriend for three days. We made out with the tongue.
3: (laughs) For three days.
2: (laughs) And then I broke up with her because she just looked at me like a piece of meat. And I was like, no, Nancy, look at me, I'm, I'm here. I'm a person. I'm a person. <laughs> I'm a person, Nancy. I'm not just this Piece body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we broke up. And then for the next uh three years, we would tiptoe around each other and be like, Hey, mm. what's up? That's my ex. Yo, what's up, Nancy?
3: It's
0: my ex.
2: Go
1: ahead, man. Oh, I was what? just gonna say you did really enjoy then the sleepaway camp. Like it was something that you mm. could look forward oh, to at least.
2: It- well, at the beginning of the summer, you didn't want to go. But by the end of the summer, you didn't want to come home.
1: Mm, that makes sense. true. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and that's such an East Coast thing. It's like you, you go away to sleep away camp. And I guess that's a good point to make no matter what socioeconomic class you're from. Is that is that correct, Brett?
2: Yeah. 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 And it was like, just get the kid out of the city. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and um, it was great. And w- when you get a little bit older, you're like, I fucking sorry. Yeah, I love great. it. I love it. It's so much yeah. fun. You've got your friends. You haven't seen them. And you have six girlfriends in one summer. You think you're, you think you're a god.
0: Well, talking about family dynamics, Wait, right? Can, yes, I, please just, go. I
2: want you to continue. Just, I just want to yes. throw one thing
0: before we leap forward. Maybe. Yes.
2: Do you want to talk about smoking weed at 10 <laughs> and my mother teaching me how to roll joints?
0: Ah, uh, your mother taught you that in the house with what, with Michael or. Do you want to go over here? Yeah, yeah. let's do mm-hmm. it. This is a challenge, Brett. It's all okay. a challenge. Yes. Oh my
2: God. There's too many stories to get. <laughs> I know. On
0: That's why I say we'll make this multiple parts. <laughs> okay.
2: So this part, uh, my brother was 12 at the time.
0: Right.
2: And his friends were 15 and it was 1976 and I'm 10 and he's smoking weed in the bedroom. He's 12. His friends are 15. Oh, I'm 10. Okay. And I go to my mother and I say, mom, what the hell, they're smoking marijuana in there. And she says, you don't know what you're talking about. You're old fashioned and you're conservative. And when you get older, you're gonna thank me. I'm like, "Uh, okay. Okay. And then I have no other point. All I know is it's wrong. I think it's wrong, but she tells me it's not wrong. And she teaches me how to roll joints. So that's 10. And of course I wanna hang out with his friends. And so I start smoking. And I'm 10 years old. And then when I was 12, my brother was 14. He robbed a house like a burglary. Uh, He found $10,000 in cash, $100 $100 bills. um, Because I remember we laid on the bed, we threw it up in the air and we actually rolled around in the money. And the the only thing that I got out of that $10,000 at 12 was a baseball glove I played for St. Rita's baseball <laughs> and a cocaine habit. And we'll at, start there.
0: At, at, <laughs> at 10 years old?
2: No, now I'm 12. Oh, wow. no,
0: sorry. Yes, now you're
2: 12. I'm, I'm not 10 anymore. That's a child. I know. What?
0: This is child's play. We're 12 now.
1: Oh, my and God. you doing cocaine now that you're 12.
0: And I don't think it. I realized that part of your story, Brett. So, 12 years old, who bought you the cocaine? Uh, well, my brother had
2: $10,000, remember? Yep. It's I'm working. I have money. Yeah. And I remember my brother goes, come on, try this. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. He goes, come on, just try it. I'm, I'm not doing it. You're crazy. You're going to die. Yeah. And he says, just put it on your teeth. I'm like, okay. Mm, okay. Boom. I'm off to the races. Wow. And, and then my, I remember thinking right away, this is not good. And I asked my mother and she said to me, well, as long as you don't do it more than two, three times a month, it's okay. But I know she's a mother. So she's conservative. So two, three times a month, really means two to three times a
1: week a week oh my god brett doesn't it? it's crazy and these are the two people that are supposed to be looking out for you really but they're telling you it's okay to be doing this bad stuff
2: i can't fault my brother because he was young too but it's really it's really my mom Mm -hmm. that was just you know encouraging it and that makes sense giving us money
0: yeah giving us money and um you're getting it from people off the street Anywhere no. is it readily available? Well, at this
2: um, point? everything's readily available. Always, whatever you want, you can yeah. get. It. I don't care yeah.
0: where you are; you mm-hmm. can get it now. It's a good point. Not that
2: I don't know anymore, but
0: you You, you presume that you can
2: <laughs> I, I do. Yeah.
0: Wow. And so, how long did that go on?
2: So I remember. Sorry, I'm going to throw in all these stories. I remember I was okay. uh, I was twelve, and at Phil's Deli, we had to work. Uh, on Wednesday night, before Thanksgiving, it was my first time. We'd go in at midnight, mm-hmm. and we had to work from midnight until like two, three of the next afternoon on Thanksgiving. And throughout the night, we would be mashed potatoes, packing up turkeys, cooking turkeys. Mrs. You know Smith's order, uh, Mrs. Gonzalez's order, right? And at ten the next morning or nine, we'd start delivering those those orders. So mm-hmm. it was really exciting to think, oh, I'm going in at midnight to work. But I said to my mom, I don't know how I'm going to stay up. And then she says, take these. Ugh. And I'm like, you know, if you have a headache, your mother gives you aspirin. Right. If you have to work at 12 years old from 12 midnight till 4, 2, 4 the next afternoon, you know, of course your mom gives you speed. Black beauties, wow. amphetamines. Mm. You don't know, you don't know any better.
1: No,
0: right. you probably think it's good for you.
1: Yeah, helpful. You, you, if my mom gave me that at, at 12, she I did. Thinking it. Amanda,
2: she did. She did, Amanda. <laughs> she, she did.
0: did. But you would, you're right, Amanda. You think, okay, my mom yeah. told me to. So I would trust yeah.
1: you 100%. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's That's no crazy. other point of reference. Right. So from there, it progressed. And, you know, I won't go down all the gory details, but between 10 and 25, towards the end, it was just like I like to say, I was in Vietnam. Yeah. It felt like I woke up in Vietnam every day. Wow. and at 25 I just decided to get clean mm. and I got clean and now when I wake up in the morning with a headache it's because I have a headache got it. it's not it's not because it's just been, a headache. it's a headache it's not yeah. like I've been at, I've been out for three days yeah you know, to the Saturday.
0: and uh, uh, because we're talking about all this Brett and you have beat Every odd, and again, we can go in so many different directions, yeah. and would like to, but how? Reel me in, reel did, me in. You know, I want to know, like, who was it? Was there one person that um helped inspire you, or pulled you up, or showed you the right path? There, I, I, I think I, I'm. I'm, I'm going to say three things here. Mm-hmm.
3: I,
2: I think one is, I think I was probably born with this mind that was, you know, a little bit on the I don't want to say conservative, it's not, but was able to know right from wrong, mm-hmm. even though it didn't exist in my, it did not exist in my house. Um, and the, the, the reason I can sort of point to this is because at 10, when I say to my mom, they shouldn't be doing this in the house. Mm-hmm. At that point, she says, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm letting them smoke in the house. But my first reaction was to call it out. But when I was a baby, um, my mother, I just found this out, gave me to my babysitter, Pam, Mm -hmm. and her family, Connie and Rocky. And I didn't know this, but they raised me Mm -hmm. until I was five. or, And then my mom would disappear for six months, not even a week. I thought it was a weekend or a night. I just found out she'd be gone six months, MIA,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: like not even reachable.
1: That's crazy.
2: So. So Connie was a good woman, and I loved her.
1: Ah, a Connie,
2: blessing. Connie raised me.
0: Okay, until you so, were five. Until you were five. Pretty. She much. was
2: all, Yeah, but okay. I didn't really know that. But Connie's right. a good woman, and mm. I, I probably got some stuff from her. Mm-hmm. And then also my cousin Kenny, who I told you about, mm-hmm. who, uh, who I worked with on the weekends at Canal Gene Company and at the flea markets. He lived on our couch for like six, seven, eight years. And I watched Kenny get up and turn one dollar into two. Mm. Kenny, Kenny is Jewish. He's a little bit more ethnically Jewish or religiously a -hmm. little bit, but he had values. Mm -hmm. And I feel Mm -hmm. like from Connie and Kenny, I must have gotten a sense of where the lines were supposed to be
0: that makes a lot of sense Brett and um also again I agree with you and it's very clear that you had very innate instincts and principles that you were born with and obviously there's something to that but I and that makes sense with Connie and Kenny you could see positive role models that's you had this sense of right and wrong and they affirmed that for you it sounds like
1: and they remained in your life even uh, obviously your cousin but after five Connie was still there so you still communicate okay
2: very cool. And, and I took care of Connie. Like you know, I, you know, when I was in my twenties, I would just leave money for Connie and oh. I'd hide it and then call her and tell her, "Hey, Connie, there's money." Blah blah. And the, oh, you know, she would get it. That's so, so nice. I took care of her.
0: Is Connie and older than your mother or younger?
2: She was older than my mom. She was older much, than your mother. Since yeah. she's
0: passed.
2: Yes, yes. Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. Oh uh, well, light to Connie.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. Um, I have a quick question because just as we're talking about family dynamics and I know you said from 12 to 25, you were in this crazy life and then decided to get- 10, 10. 10, 10, 10, (laughs) Seven even, seven, Seven. started working at seven. Five, five. I know that you uh, mentioned your your current wife now, Nancy, but I know that there was another um, love in between. And I'm curious if you can kind of talk about that I forget if it was when you were in college or not. Can talk about that, and then we'll go from there. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, god,
3: okay,
1: <laughs> like
2: where do I start? All right, how do I even set this up? My god, all right. So, you know, my mom's a freak, right? Well, so yeah.
1: we get that now. She's yes. woke, she's woke. Yes. <laughs> no, she ain't
2: woke, she's no. a freak, she's just yeah. a crazy freak, and so. Uh, I must've been 15. I'm going to start at the beginning. I'm going to tell you the same story I told Brandon. Okay. Okay. So at 15, my mother had to have spinal surgery. And that was, you know, you know, today, if you have spinal surgery today, it's still, you know, the outcome is not guaranteed. You can Mm -hmm. imagine, you know, before they had laparoscopic surgery, you know, it was a spinal surgery was a big deal. So somebody said for her to meet this woman named Blanche Meyerson, who was a healer. And my mom was like, well, what can she do? She can't really hurt me. Why not go see her? Because she went. And Blanche wasn't this kind of woman that was like, I believe, it wasn't like a religious thing. Right. If you if, if you ask Blanche, what she would say is that these doctors were working through her from quote unquote, the other side. And she had no control of the energy. But what would happen is, and there were photographs of like this crazy lights coming out of her fingertips. Now that could have been doctored. And everything I tell you, I'm going to give you that you know, you're, you're easily influenced when you're that age. But um, I do believe that a lot of this stuff was true. Although I will tell you, it's quite possible it wasn't. So mm-hmm. let me and I'll, mm-hmm. you'll you'll see where this goes. So I'm 15. Um, um, and my mom goes to Blanche and Blanche treats her and her hands go over her body. And Blanche says she can't control what her hands do. And she, they just start shaking at whatever point in your body. There's the the needs energy. And she treated my mom and then she went over my mom's knee and she said, my mom didn't tell her. She said, what happens to your knee, Dorothy? And she said, oh, I tore my meniscus. So Blanche treated her knee too. And the next day my mom's back was fine. Mm. Okay, placebo effect, right? Possibly, Mm -hmm. possibly placebo, placebo effect. All right, but my mom and Blanche become best friends and I'm 15 and I've been to synagogue my babysitter Connie's daughter Pam took me and baptized me at St. Rita's Church. So check, check. And then when I was 12, my mom sent me to see her friends Ellen and Nigel in Minnesota, where I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior as a born-again <laughs> Christian. Okay. Because they had such a beautiful family dynamic. I didn't know what I was doing. So sure. we went to church on Sunday and they were like, people were like blah in tongues and freaking out. And they had such a nice family. I was like, I, this is what I'm looking for. Mm. And they said, and I got scared coming home, right? Flying Makes home sense. and we, and everybody held hands and, everybody, and they said, in Je- you can get anything you want if you say in Jesus's name. So we dropped our head and uh, we were scared to fly. They said in Jesus's name, please God, Jesus, Lord, 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 don't let <laughs> Brett's plane crash. And you know what happened? didn't crash it didn't crash <laughs> okay so the very next week i'm at the track with my cousin kenny who's a degenerate gambler i'm 12 years old he's jewish i have an onk in my ear he thinks it's a cross he wants me to get it out he's losing all day it's the ninth race the horses are coming around turn in the ninth race he's got this thing bet every and then under my breath i'm saying in jesus name in jesus name in jesus name <laughs> and his fucking horses won Okay.
0: So it didn't work. It didn't <laughs> so, work. It did work. Oh, it, it did
2: work. It works <laughs> so, so I would say at the, I've, I've been exposed to born-again Christianity, Check, you know, and to me, Judaism and yeah. Catholic, right? And to me, they're all just like made up nonsense and they don't feel authentic. But when I sat mm-hmm. with Blanche and she talked about reincarnation and um karma and keep coming back until you get perfected and move up of all the horse shit that i've heard Mm -hmm. this was made again it could be also another line of shit but it made the most sense got it Mm -hmm. um and so i'm with blanche and she becomes my aunt Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: you know i love her so that's the setup okay so one day so remember um blanche Supposedly, I've seen a lot of crazy shit at Blanche's house. Like I've seen people walk in and walk out, quote unquote cured. Okay. And so, so let me substantiate this with a quick story and then I promise you, if I'm talking too much, just tell me to edit. You're but fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, I, was, uh, I was 19 and um, my brother was in Pennsylvania and he was on his bicycle and he uh, got struck by a truck and he was in the hospital. He was on life support. He was in a mm-hmm. coma. They weren't sure whether it was gonna be a coma, brain damage, brain death. They weren't sure what was gonna be happening. I race out to Pennsylvania, meet my mom there. And I think it was like the first night. Bland. And remember, they're not gonna know until three days
3: mm-hmm.
2: because they're not gonna know if the brain swelled up because the brain essentially, if it swells up, it has no place to expand in. you die. Mm-hmm.
3: Right.
2: Mm -hmm. And they'll know in three days. Blanche calls the first night and she says to my mother, Dorothy, I want to tell you because I want you to hear this from somebody who loves you and Stephen's gone.
0: Mm.
2: Now, you tell me, is that just a crazy lady guessing? Maybe. Maybe, right. She wasn't there. She was Mm -hmm. in New York City. Mm -hmm. Or or was there something there, there? Let's leave that I don't know at this point. Maybe crazy Mm -hmm. lady. Okay. So just keep that um so now i'm at blanche's i'm 21 and i see this really hot girl come in and i'm mm-hmm. like damn she's smoking hot and i go to the bathroom and i say please in jesus name i don't think i said that <laughs> but i did say i just said please god please let me just have that one out there and i'll never ask you for anything else So i come out of the bathroom and i'm really cool i'm like hey hey nice to meet you my name's brett you know blah 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 yeah and She was like 29, um, and I just thought she was beautiful. And she was like a hippie, a hippie with a white T-shirt and jeans. But hippie sophisticated is what Mm -hmm. I would say it was, which is like my style. So that was the day, right? So the very next day, the very next day, I'm sitting across the street from my acting school, the neighborhood playhouse. It's on 54th Street between 1st and 2nd. I'm having lunch. It's the next day. And I look down the block, and I see this beautiful girl walking down the block. She's getting closer. I'm like, damn, check her. out. And then she gets closer. I'm like, hey, Sally. And she's like, yeah. I go, Brett, Brett, I met you at Blanche's last night. She's like, oh, Brett, what do you do? I go, go to the neighborhood playhouse. She goes, oh, you want to come to a play with me? So that's the beginning of the Mm -hmm. beginning. I'm like, of course I do. She took me to the Irish theater uh, on 51st Street. I remember it. And she took Mm -hmm. me out to Bank Street for dinner. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, she's so grown up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She's eight years older, right?
2: At the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Okay. and so I find out that basically what it is, is that Blanche, unbeknown- I didn't know it the day before, but Blanche was like her, mo- her mom. Mm,
3: mm-hmm.
2: Because Sally came from an incredibly wealthy family. Right. I don't I don't know this, but I mean, I eventually knew this. And she was my friend for six months and I was in love with her, but I didn't mm-hmm. make a move because mm-hmm. I didn't want to ruin anything. And then in August, she says, hey, do you want to come out to our ranch in Wyoming? I'm like, yeah. So she- I go out to the ranch, you know, things progress as they may. Um, we slept together for the first time and then we come back and I was in love. I couldn't believe my girlfriend had a cell phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Granted it was the
0: size of a brick, but. <laughs> but a cell phone. No yes, one my had girl, it, but... You
2: didn't. You had <laughs> my it. girl had a cell phone. Mm-hmm. And, it's not... it's... and then we come back in like October or something. She tells me she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited because. I love her. It's not like some girl across the street is like, I'm pregnant. My daddy says you got to marry me. Like, it's not that. It's like, I'm going to be the Sultan of Brunei. Right. You know, or something. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I'm going to move it on up. Do this. Yes. (laughs) So, so I'm in love. I'm going to have a kid. Everything's great. And she, um, she says to me, don't worry. Sally said to me, don't worry. My grandmother has a billion dollars. You stay in school. This baby will be taken care of. Sally had also told me at some point in our relationship that she had had a miscarriage before and her ex-boyfriend left her on the floor bleeding. Mm. So that, that I know in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden I'm hanging out and she tells me, she breaks up with me and she told me she had a miscarriage.
0: Wait, so, in this real quick, Brett, because you said, she said, my grandmother's a billionaire, you don't even right. worry, you do what right. you want. And then how did it go from that to- Like,
2: like a, a few weeks later. Okay. You know, so so that's that's like I find that out, and then a few weeks later, um, she breaks up with me, and she okay. told me she had a miscarriage. And I thought to myself, well, I'm brokenhearted, but I could understand it psychologically. Mm. Throw the boyfriend out with the baby. I kind of get it. The mm-hmm. other boyfriend left her bleeding on the floor. I psychologically, I kind of understand this. It, I don't like it, but in one fell swoop, I lost my uh, the baby. Mm. I lost my girlfriend, and then I soon found out that Blanche and Sally concocted the story together mm. i couldn't understand why blanche was involved in doing this and then i lost blanche
3: mm.
2: and and you know that's at least what i know but i also thought that maybe her grandmother sally's grandmother was like if you marry that this is a locust valley Lockjaw, by the way <laughs> if you marry that jew you'll be from the club and the will and blah blah blah, blah, blah. Uh. so i thought maybe they were like don't let, the, don't marry that Jew actor. Mm. You know, I didn't
1: know because I, I filled the space with things in my brain. Right. There was no explanation for you. No. And I with know. Blanche, was there, did she give you an explanation or did she, did you make her leave your life or she did herself?
2: No, I cut her off okay. and my mother cut them off. And um, um, yeah, I spoke to Blanche one more time I'm going to pause here and like sort of drop it a quick story because it's going to circle back. Um, when my, when I was 36, right. And now I'm not a kid anymore. I promise you, this will all make sense in the end. Um, um, my Blanche, my mom and Blanche got back together. I still hadn't met Sally or met my daughter and my mom was visiting with Blanche again. And Blanche treated her 36 at the time. My mom's, she says to my mom, Dorothy Blanche said, you have lung cancer, it's encapsulated, and it, hasn't, and it hasn't spread. You have to get it out now. Mm. Okay, she's just doing that by rubbing, you know, shaking her hands on her chest. Mm-hmm. And my mom goes to the, her, her uh, Dr. Posner, I think his name was, uh, and then he sends her to a specialist. He says, Dorothy, I see a little speck. I'll, I'll try to get some cells from it. They take some cells. A couple of weeks later, he says, Dorothy, I've got good news. And bad news. He says the bad news is you've got cancer. The good news, it's encapsulated and it hasn't spread. We have to get it out now.
0: Now I wasn't a kid at this point.
2: Right. You're 36. That's crazy.
0: (laughs) That is. Yeah. Okay. And and Brett, I guess I need to ask, which we didn't ask. Did your brother pass?
2: Oh, yeah. Sorry, I
0: forgot. Oh, yeah. So she (laughs) was correct about that as well. Okay. Okay. So now she's correct about your mother. And she's correct about my brother. Mm -hmm. And
2: and my aunt Pearl was seeing her back. In the day
0: mm-hmm. and
2: um blanche was treating her for breast cancer and she blanche pulled my mother over and said dorothy i can't save her she's she's not taking the energy i just can't she's i can't do it and blanche, uh, pearl died two years later mm-hmm. so there's all wow. these things that you could say i see is she a crazy lady did she guess is she a liar mm-hmm. is she a fraud but the 36 year old thing when she told my mother she had lung cancer mm-hmm. i was an adult at that point yeah. so so okay sorry let's get back to the story
0: so yeah, you're okay. a believer. And then let's just preface this because I think we already kind of jumped to realize that Sally did not miscarry, and no. yeah, and her and Doris, or her and Blanche made up this story. And maybe Blanche had an allegiance to Sally, right? Because she was like her mother, so she was helping her sort of maneuver through the situation.
2: You know, yes, that's possible.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: And there was also, we were also thinking at some point that maybe um, because Sally and I were spending so much time together and maybe Sally wasn't taking care of Blanche because Sally would help Blanche financially. Mm -hmm. So maybe that wasn't Mm -hmm. happening and Blanche needed to cut me off. I don't know. Because again, I'm filling the empty space with what's in my brain, Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. you know,
2: whether it's her grandmother getting rid of the, you know, the Jewish guy or but a friend of mine was in with them, um, and my friend Jed had a friend who was still going to Blanche's. And Jed told me that basically, like in April or something of the next year, that she was still pregnant.
1: And she mm. lied to me.
2: And she lied to me. Okay. And so, so at for that point- a
1: year, you thought she had had a miscarriage until one of your friends saw her.
2: No, it was. Uh, so remember, she was pregnant in October. I knew probably January or February, she's still pregnant. Got it,
1: okay.
2: And you know, my friend Jed was like, no, she lied. And so at that point, I called her up and I had her served with papers, paternity. And I was a kid and the judge threw them out because I didn't know her proper address. And Sally said, even if you would have won the case, I would have disappeared. My Mm. dad's the the uh he's on the board of rj reynolds nabisco and you would never see this child mm. and, that, and that was in april and she i didn't know her due date i didn't know what state she was she going to be in wyoming was she going to be west palm was she gonna be on long island was she going on park avenue i have no idea
0: and she's not giving you any insight herself as to why you cannot be with her or potentially meet this baby when the baby's born
2: Correct. She's giving okay. me nothing other nothing. than telling okay. me that even if I won, I would lose because mm-hmm. she wouldn't let me see the child.
0: Got it. Okay. So, okay. Very Sorry.
2: I, well, I want to get back to the, the story because I've yeah. gone off on so many tangents. And, um, okay. So, remember the beginning of the story is I'm 21. I'm at Blanche's. Right. I see this hot girl. I'm like, please let me Jesus. Let me just have that one. And then I'm like, hey, next, very next day, she's at my school and she's across the street. You know, I'm across from my school and she walks down the block the very next day. Right. Okay. Fast forward. Uh, I serve her papers in April. Mm-hmm. That was the last time I spoke to her, and now I'm working for my friend Eddie Siegel on the Upper East Side. He just opened up a deli called Siegel's Deli on 85th, 86th, and 2nd in Manhattan, and we just at opened.
0: At, 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 at what point is this?
2: So, so this is in September okay. of that same year. Got it.
0: Year 21.
2: i still. Um, 22, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Okay. Or maybe something like that. And um, uh, the last time I spoke to Sally was in April when she was a few months pregnant. And and now this is just a few months later. It's September. We get a call from Mount Sinai Hospital. Hey, they want to do a reoccurring every two weeks uh, delivery there. So instead of sending one of the the delivery guys, I decide to go and deliver it myself for the first time and say, hey, I'm Brad. I'm the manager. I want to thank you very much. If you need Mm -hmm. anything, please feel free to call me. I'm here to help you know, and then I would proceed to send the delivery guys after that. Well, Blanche got drunk that night and she told my mother, called my mom and said that Sally had given birth at Mount Sinai Hospital at the exact same time as delivering the food. Mm. Okay. So remember, please God, please God, the very, and the very next day, she's across the street from my school. Right. Um, I don't know her due date. I don't know what country she's in. I don't know what state she's in. I drop the food off and she delivers my child
0: while you're the there. same
2: hours yeah. that, mm-hmm. okay okay so now now we're gonna fast forward um i'm 35 36 i'm working mm-hmm. at l girl magazine mm-hmm. it was like 2001 or 2002 and we get this we get you know back in the day you go, find anybody for 9.99 9.99 so it was july and i typed in sally's name i printed it out and i put it on my bulletin board and i was looking at it since july and at that time my my therapist um my therapist was was dying. She was young. She was 53, Sheila. And um, Blanche had just died. And this is now, now we're, this is in November. This is mm-hmm. now the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Okay. 12 years
1: later. And you're Sheila, married to someone else at this and- time and have started your own family just for. A right, right, right. So, yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. So Uh, Nancy's five months pregnant Nancy from camp to point out who's my, who's my current first wife. Yes. Um,
0: (laughs) Your only wife. Right. (laughs) And
2: we're at our upstate house. We had a house upstate and um, it was Saturday. um, And I said to Nan, Nan, when I go back to work on Monday, Blanche just died three weeks earlier on like November 5th, something like that. Sheila, my therapist was dying. I'm 36. I'm a man. I'm not a 12, not 12. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm not a not 21 21, yeah. 22, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got, I, you know, I'm calling that number. And Nancy says, okay, I got your back. Mm-hmm. Of course. So the very next day we wake up Sunday morning. And Nancy says, Hey, do you want to go to Twiggy's? Twiggy's is this like greasy spoon on the side of a hill in the middle of nowhere in, with a dirt parking lot on some random mountain. <laughs> I say, sure, let's go into Twiggy's. Let's go to Twiggy's. So we go to Twiggy's. We sit down at a two top. And remember the day before on Saturday, I said, I'm going to call that number. Right. Right there at the very next table on the next two top that I can touch. I'm looking at Sally. She's Mm. sitting diagonally from me two feet away. Insane. And I can't believe it. And I'm freaking out. And Nancy's five months pregnant and I get up and I just walk out and I go to the car and I'm pacing and I tell Nick, Na- and I got chills on the back of my neck as I tell this again. Yeah, I said, chills too. <laughs> through, through the window, I say, Nancy, come out here, come out here. She says, no. I said, Nancy, come out here. No. I go, come out here now. So she comes out. You know what she thought? What? She thought, I'm going to tell you. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> oh, she thought that either I refused to eat there because I'm a finicky individual, I refused uh-huh. to eat at this greasy spoon, or I shit in my pants. <laughs> I'm like, Nancy, Nancy, why would you think I, sh- have I ever shit in my pants before? She's like, no, but I go, why would you? Well, maybe that's the only reason I would leave. Not up I so fast. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, Nancy, I didn't fucking shit in my pants. I go, that's
0: Sally. She's like, start the car, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. So you did not uh, go back in?
2: No. I said, Nancy, <laughs> I said, I'm, I, I got to do this. I've waited my whole life for this moment. Mm-hmm. I have to do this. So I wait outside. Nancy goes inside. And finally, she walks out. And I got a hoodie on. I remember I had this hoodie on. And she says, I go, she couldn't see. Sally, she didn't have her glasses. I go, mm-hmm. Sally she goes yeah go, hey it's Brett and without saying anything she just goes hey you want to come to ha- back to the house and meet Galen oh, gosh.
0: like as if though as if though you saw her yesterday or something nothing <laughs> wow
1: ever happened. it hadn't been 12 years since you've seen her that's so and, strange wow and, Brett. I,
2: and I was like yeah hold on my wife's inside let me grab her. Mm-hmm. I'm coming and following you. Mm-hmm. So I run inside. I'm like Nancy, right? She's. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm like okay, baby. Look, you could stay here. Mm-hmm. I gotta go. I'll come back. I'm coming. I'm coming. So <laughs> she oh. she gets in the car and we follow Sally back.
3: Yeah.
2: Nancy is starving. She's oh, five months pregnant, pregnant with twins, yeah. and she has terrible allergies. And Sally has like three cats. So so we wind up following Sally back to her house. Now, pause here for one second, because this is the last piece of this story that when I tell you, it's just like, there has to be something else here, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, again, I I hit all the notes. Please God, let me have that one. The next day she's there. Eddie Siegel, we get an order from Mount Sinai. I'm in the hospital. I tell Nancy on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, I'm calling that number that's been on my board since July on Monday and Sunday, we go to Twiggy's and there's fucking salad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, pause here for a second. So let's rewind a year and a half. So it was the August, a year and a half before this happened. And Nancy was like an art, she went to art school, right? She's like, she went to Parsons, you know, Mm -hmm. fishnets and like leather and like spiky. And, you know, even though she's corporate, at the end of the day, she's a crazy freaky artist, right? (laughs) Somewhere in her core. And I see her, it's the year and a half, August, I see her talking to this dude who like, you know, he like makes uh, furniture in his barn from like discarded tree stumps. And I'm like, <laughs> and so I have this full, I'm not a jealous guy, but I have this insane jealous rage. Mm. And I imagine, so I walk over, I'm like, hey, Nancy, what's up? And she's like, oh, nothing. Go go go! Go get yourself something to eat. I'm like, she's trying to brush me off, <laughs> and I have this whole full blown rageful fantasy—not fantasy. Not fantasy that's yeah. not the wrong thing.
3: Whatever. That's rageful
2: story. Yeah. That Nancy says to me, "Hey, Brad, I got to go down the mountain to get some butter and cheese." Um, I go, "Okay, I'll see you when you get back." Three hours later, she comes back. I'm like, "Yo, <laughs> baby, where's the butter and cheese?" She goes, "Um." Uh, I I forgot it. I go, you didn't forget it. You're fucking that hippie. Blah, 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 blah. So I told her this. Okay. And and she said, are you crazy? Why would you? I go, I don't know why I thought that. She goes, and why him? He's like, he couldn't put two words together. I go, I don't know. We told our friends who lived upstate and they were like, oh my God, that's Richard. He's 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 a remnant from the 70s, blah, 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 blah. And that was that.
0: Remnant, okay.
2: A year and a half later, we're in the diner. I sit down, there, Sally, and guess who she's with?
0: With Wood Stump Guy. guy. Yes. And he
2: was fucking her. He was fuck, basically, Sally. he yeah. was fucking my girl. Just the wrong, <laughs>
0: just the other one. Yeah, um, the just, other girl.
2: Okay, so wow. what are the odds of that?
0: I
1: mean, like, so many, yeah,
2: secret yeah. <sighs> Okay, I'm going to stop talking, and I want you guys to talk now.
1: Well, she takes you, you have to keep talking because she takes you're following her to meet your daughter, to meet Galen, yeah. <laughs> who is
0: your daughter at 12. So you walk into the house. Does Galen know who you are?
2: Okay. Okay. So, so Galen, as a turn, so the reason Sally says that she wasn't like, oh my God, Brett, is because right. according to Sally, Blanche had come to her in a dream after Blanche was Bast. passed,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: she said, you're going to meet Brett. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Sally says. Again, I, I don't know. It's not in my ah, brain.
0: So she's expecting you in a way. Yep. And yep. that's why okay. she,
2: suppo- according to her, Galen just r- had written me a letter that she was mm. about to put in the mail.
0: Mm.
2: And um, we get there, we wait downstairs. Sally goes up with Galen's breakfast. And Sally has, I guess, a, a, a like a <laughs> Cheshire cat. Is that how you say it? Yeah. A smile on her face. And yeah, Galen's like, so. mom, why are you smiling like that? She goes, that must be a really good breakfast. She says, What's up? She goes, Your dad's downstairs. And she goes, Wick. So when I broke, when she broke up with me, she married mm-hmm. a guy even younger than me.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Then, wow.
2: <laughs> okay. And thank God for Wick, because he gave that family Galen
0: some stability. A
2: male stability, yeah. a male figure, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And so Galen, Galen, was like, Wick? She goes, No. Mm. Your your father. So Galen's bugging out, she's freaking out unbeknownst to me, she's 12 and she comes down eventually, she looks just like me, mm. <laughs> she has my sense of humor, mm. She she, and we immediately hit it off mm. and we immediately know that we
0: know each other. Wow. We just know it.
1: That's and so
0: cool. I know this story and that makes me really emotional. And what so cool. year
1: was that, Brett?
0: I want to say, it had to be.
2: Uh, I don't know. Well, you're thirty-six
0: <laughs> at this point, so
2: okay. So, yeah. yeah, I want It's like two thousand and two, I think. At the yeah. Time. Wow. Yeah, because she was twelve.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's two thousand and two. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Wow.
0: And, and so, and- from then on, are you? I mean, she, you, re- you recognize each other immediately, like you just yeah. said. Yeah. Well, like not f-
2: yes, but like more. I want to say spiritually,
0: emotionally. Right. That's what I mean. Like a soul. Yeah. Pit, you know, this we're is the, same, we the same. We have the same. We laugh at
2: the same stuff. She's got a good sense of humor. Mm-hmm. She she gets it. She has the mm-hmm. same political point of view. It's mm-hmm. just everything's everything. And then you could go: Is it? You know, what do they say? Um, whether you're born with it or uh, learned, or what's the expression? Do you know what
0: I'm talking about? Yeah, I know Uh, what you're saying. Environmental Nature versus nurture is what you're talking
2: about, yes. Right, like how is it that she's just like me and I haven't had anything to do with her,
3: Right, but Mm -hmm. she is. Mm -hmm. And
2: so I take her ice skating the very next weekend and I'm terrified that Sally's gonna disappear. Mm. And you know, she's gonna cut this off, but she doesn't. Mm -hmm. And our house upstate was literally three minutes away from their house by car, which is practically like the apartment next door in New York mm-hmm, City.
1: Mm-hmm. You and know has she mean? lived so, there the whole time?
2: Yes, for uh, not the entire time, but most of it. Wow. And they knew, Sally knew I was there. I didn't mm-hmm. know Sally. But, darn it.
0: I know. Yeah. So she it... didn't cut it off, clearly. No, Sally. not okay. after
2: 12. But yes. I, was ter- I was terrified that she would. Of course. And I never mentioned anything to Galen I never said to Sally, do you know what you did to me? Da, 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 da. How dare you? Because all I wanted was my daughter
3: mm-hmm. and,
2: and none of that other stuff mattered. It was inconsequential. I could care less. I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't say I could care less, but I had to let it go because it didn't yeah. serve me or Galen or anybody in any manner whatsoever.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: I never, I never, to this day, I have never brought her up yeah. with, with Sally.
1: That makes sense. And how did Nancy feel about it? Um, I'm sure it was a lot for her to take in. I know that she knew that you had a daughter and you wanted to find her, but she's pregnant at this time with twins. And then you have an extra now.
2: <laughs> well, she always thought that someday when Galen was like 18 or 21, she, did, she didn't expect it so soon. Right. And, and one day <laughs> I was on the phone talking to Sally because, uh, you know, I had to. And Nancy said, you're a married
0: man. Get <laughs> off the phone. <laughs> so I would say there was a little bit of, um, of course. Yes. You know, That's normal. Yeah. We, and then Amanda just said, did you know that Sally had had a baby girl? Did you know? Yes. Okay. So you did know that she, you had a daughter at some point. Okay. Got it. Because
2: when I told my mom, Nancy and I
0: were getting engaged
2: and I told my mom, we went out to celebrate for our engagement dinner with me, my mom uh, and and Nancy. And at that dinner where I'm telling my mom that this is my future wife, Mm -hmm. she just happens to have had pictures of my daughter that she slaps on the table.
1: What?
0: Wow. She had never shared with you.
2: She never shared. I didn't know. Blanche had given her pictures Mm. and she just happened to drop them on the night of my engagement you know wow. the night we go off of so so that was really inappropriate and mm-hmm. very psychologically timed
3: mm-hmm.
2: um um yeah keep going so
0: are you still to this day you you and galen are still in each other's lives
2: oh completely she yeah. before you know she went to college in new york she went to pratt um she lived in brooklyn uh we i took her to the caribbean I mean, whatever. Yeah. I saw her all the time. Okay. And the three months before she left for LA, because she came out here first, um, she moved to California because she's, a gra- uh, she's an artist and she wanted to work in the studios. Um, and she lived with me for like the last two, three months while in New York. So we're very close. Mm-hmm. I just helped her finance. I didn't help her finance. I helped her figure out how mortgages worked. And I helped her figure that whole world out. And, oh. and she's in my life all the time. That's I, you so know,
1: cool. And how does like, your family feel about it? How did she integrate with a, we know now that you have three sons and obviously Nancy we've talked about. So does she spend time with all of you? Um, from time to time.
2: Yeah. Like, you know, um, she'll come down for the day. My kids love her. Hmm. Um, they think she's funny. She loves my kids. Um, she, Nancy loves her and, you know, it's all good.
0: That's all. So it's all, cool. it's all good. That. Does she call you Brett or dad? Both. She does. Dad. <laughs> she says
2: she calls me dad. She,
0: she does. Oh yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And I feel like, again, we could talk about so much. I know. And I know. I love your relationship with Nancy and that you met her at camp and that's your wife. And <laughs> Brett is just such an amazing man and husband and father. And it's just, again, he, amazing stories. Um, so we hope that you will come back, but we wanted to ask you a couple questions, of course, of course. Um, is that we ask every guest of ours thinking of you as a 15 year old who's lived a big life by now because even in, at 15 that's right? amazing. Yeah. at 15, <laughs> what would you as the man you are today, what is the number one thing you would want your 15 year old self your 15 year old
1: Brett to know? If they said what do I do? Mm-hmm. I'd, ha- I'd
2: have to say that, you know, it was a quote from one of my favorite movies um, when um, when um, the guy told Tony Montana, Tony, don't get high in your own supply. No, I'm joking. I'm, jo- <laughs> I'm joking. Um, that's also- that's <laughs> what you would tell
3: your 15-year-old.
2: <laughs> don't get high in your own supply. No, that's totally a joke. Um <laughs> Um, I would say, hang in there. Mm. it's it's gonna be great. Oh, just hang okay. on. It's gonna,
0: mm. it's gonna get great. It's
2: gonna get great.
0: I love that so much, Brett. that's really cool. yeah um and then last thing for okay. everybody and not just for youngers and what is the one thing you would say to inspire hope and motivation? Um, and to make people hopeful, like by overcoming so many challenges in your life, what could you impart to others to help them stay motivated? I
2: think, you know, you give it what you can, you give it your best, you're going to find obstacles in your way. And, you know, you're not going to overcome all of them, but you're going to, you're going to persevere and you're going to make it through if you want to just keep fighting, keep fighting for what you want. And this world is magical. You know, you think about something and it, and it happens um, if you fight and you fight the good fight and you your dreams will be realized. It just mm. happens that way.
1: And you are absolutely happened. a representation of that, Brett. So I think that was a perfect response. Because it really of, yeah, yeah, that's what we got out of this interview. You didn't give up and you had it hard. So it's incredible.
2: All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
0: Brett, thank you yeah. so much. And like we said, we could keep talking to you
1: forever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so- um, I don't get to hear your stories as much as my mom does. I love it. I could sit here for hours. And
2: <laughs> you have gotten like like the stories, you've gotten like one 1000, maybe not even I
1: believe it. <laughs> yes.
2: No, I tried to I talked really fast. I'm sorry. No, I jammed so much in there, but it's hey, great.
0: What we believe what is shared is meant to be shared, and this is perfect in itself. And yeah, yeah Thank you. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you so
1: guys much, thank you so much thank you it was nice yeah. to finally meet you amanda, <laughs> amanda.
2: <laughs> i know
1: i'm here i exist
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm so proud of you guys because i always talk about your mom by the way mm, and believe i'm it. like you know somebody who i'm really proud of is your mom for what Thanks, she Brent. did and how you turned out amanda is mm-hmm. like just it's spectacular
1: thank you I think so too I think it's that's why we're doing this it's really cool I was just telling my mom yesterday thank you for raising me the way Mm. you did
3: yeah
1: (laughs) but it's It's true and I love that she He's more open now about it, um, especially now that I'm an adult grown productive woman. So, this podcast has been a lot of fun. Yes.
2: Oh, that's great. Yeah. Th- and thank you for inviting me, guys.
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for joining us.
0: And um, I will see you very soon, hopefully.
2: Okay.
3: Okay. okay. I'll talk to okay. you guys. Right, guys.
0: Thanks, Thanks. Bye, right. guys. See okay. Ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us and for listening to this episode. Please share with your friends and family.
1: And don't forget to follow. We're looking forward to the next episode. We'll talk to you soon.